All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And we'll begin reading in verse number 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle, now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I want to preach on this subject on hold on to your traditions. Hold on to your traditions. You know, we're living in a time when... Traditions are under attack when it seems like uh, preachers and churches have compromised and because they have compromised, now they have criticized others uh, who are still clinging to those traditions that we have been taught in the faith. And we're living in that day when it seems like we see a lot of people that are folding, a lot of people that are changing course and going a different route. You don't have to look too far uh, to see that in the world that we're living in. And uh, it's no different today than it was uh, back then. Paul was uh, dealing with uh, the same issues then. He wanted to encourage these young believers as they were going through persecutions and they were going through trials to not compromise, to not to not give in to the day that they were in uh, just because things got a little bit tough in their life. And, and certainly that's what we're seeing today when things get hard. Uh, many times the easiest thing to do is just change course and go with the flow. But Paul uh, is telling these believers that you hold to your traditions. You, you hold to what you have been taught. And that's what we want to preach on a few minutes uh, uh, in this message here. I want you to see first of all in verse number 13 and verse number 14, I want you to see Paul's compliments to the believers. The Bible says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul begins, he's just dealt with prophecy in the last 12 verses of this chapter, and now he changes in verse number 13 from prophecy to practical Christianity, and he compliments them. He compliments them by telling them that they have been chosen in verse number 13, that they have been chosen uh, by God because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Now, uh, we know that uh, we do not believe in Calvinism, and I want to say no one becomes a Calvinist by reading the Bible. You have to read other Calvinists to become uh, a Calvinist, but uh, I would say here that when Paul is writing this, uh, he is not teaching the false doctrine of Calvinism, but what Paul is doing is he is encouraging these believers and letting them know that uh, just because that uh, you're facing some difficult days and some false teachers in your day, uh, he wants them to go on and serve God. He wants to, to compliment them and say, look, we thank God for you always. And he said, I want to remind you that you have been chosen by God. And I'm glad that God has chosen us from the foundation of the world. And again, Paul is not dealing with sinners. Paul is dealing with saved people. And when you, th- when you think about uh, the, some of the terminology 
that Paul used that uh, the false doctrine of Calvinism oftentimes gets off into where Paul talks about foreknowledge and, and words such as election and, and predestination, those type of, of, of terminology that Paul uses. Uh, remember that every time Paul uses that, he's dealing with saints, not with sinners. And so he's dealing with them here and he encourages them, compliments them that they've been chosen uh, by God and then they've been called, he said in verse number 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel. Well, I'm glad one day I heard that call. I'm glad one day that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and I'm glad for salvation, the convicting and drawing power of God. And Paul compliments them uh, in their salvation, in their sanctification that he mentions in these verses here. And then Paul challenges them in verse number 15, uh, our text, as he said, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So Paul is, is challenging these believers here. He, his challenge uh, has to do with their training. He says in verse number 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught. It has to do with their training. It has to do with their teaching. And Paul uh, says, I want you to hold on to those traditions that you have been taught, that you have been trained in. It has to do with their teachers. He said, whether by word or our epistle. So Paul says, take what I have given to you, take the preaching that you have heard, and he said, you hold on to that. You, you cling to that. And that's a good challenge for the day that we're living in. We have got to take what we have heard. We've got to take the preaching and the teaching and what we have been taught in the Bible. We've got to hold to those traditions in these days. And then uh, Paul gives a consolation to these believers in verse number uh, 16. He said, Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comforts your hearts and establish you in every good word uh, and work. And so Paul gives them a consolation. And I want you to see this is an extraordinary consolation because in verse number 16, he mentions the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, who hath loved us. Well, how extraordinary is that? To know that Christ Himself... And and, uh, got involved in our salvation, that our salvation is in Him. Our salvation is through Him. You've heard it said oftentimes that salvation is not in a plan. Salvation is in a person. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. While I do believe in the plan of salvation, I know that the plan itself is not what saves us. It's the person that saves us. And so the plan of salvation, following that plan, trusting in that person is what brings salvation to, uh, to our soul. And so it's an extraordinary consolation as he says, even our Father which loved us. I think about John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a sweet consolation that is. It's an extraordinary consolation. And then it's an everlasting consolation. He said, hath given us everlasting consolation. You know, that's, that's what John three sixteen says, hath given unto us everlasting life. And I'm glad that we as believers know that when we leave this walk of life, the grave is not the end. Death is not the end. But we have hope beyond the grave. What a consolation we have to know that we're going to live throughout eternity on the other side. And Paul reminds them of that consolation. He wants to encourage them. He wants to help them. And so it's an extraordinary consolation. It's an everlasting consolation. And then it's an 
encouraging consolation as he says here that he has he talks about good hope through grace. You know, I'm thankful for grace. I'm thankful for God's mercy, but I'm thankful for God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, comfort your hearts, in verse 17, and establish you in every good word and work. This consolation, that's what it does for us. It comforts our hearts, and it establishes us in the work of God and in the Word of God. What a consolation we have. And Paul is is emphasizing that to these believers. But I want to go back to verse number 15. And I want us to think about where Paul says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Paul encourages these believers here to hold on to their traditions. You know, there's going to be those that's going to try to get you to give up your traditions. And the word tradition simply means, uh, it means uh, uh, here in this text, it means what, what has been passed down from one person to another. And Paul is talking about truth in this text. And truth has been passed down. It's been given to Paul, and Paul has given this truth. He's giving it to these believers here. And Paul says you need to stand fast and hold to that tradition. Hold to that truth. And, and truth is that which brings everything together. I'm glad that I've got a copy of the truth. I'm glad I know the truth. Jesus, as he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And the traditions that we believe, we believe them because we believe them to be truth. Isn't that right? Uh, A lot of times today we will hear preachers attack our traditions as if there's no truth, that they're just preferences. But I want to say those uh, things that we believe, those traditions that we believe, uh, listen, they're precepts and their principles, they're not preferences. We believe them because we believe we have found them in the Word of God. We believe them to be true. And so Paul is dealing with traditions. Hold to those traditions there. What kind of traditions is Paul talking about? Well, he's talking about the tradition of salvation. Look at verse uh, number 13 again. He says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. So that is a truth. The salvation is a Bible truth. That is something that we need to hold to. It is a tradition that we cannot afford to, to let go of. We know that the Bible is clear about salvation. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 says, Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We know that the Bible uh, is clear in Acts chapter number 16 when the Philippian jailer came to Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And so that is a truth. And we believe the truth of salvation. It's not open for debate. It's crystal clear. It's not, uh, listen, we can't, uh, we can't compromise. We can't water down uh, what the Bible says about salvation. We must preach the pure gospel. And so when we think about that, that is a truth, a tradition that we need to hold on to. Uh, listen, the Bible says, Buy the truth and sell it not. And certainly, we need to stand on the truth of salvation. And then there's the truth of sanctification. Notice what he said in verse number 13 again. He said that uh, God God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification. When you think about the truth of sanctification, we need to hold on to that. The Bible talks about positional sanctification. We know that that's at the moment of salvation. 
You and I cannot uh, position ourselves uh, into the body of Christ, but through the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, and through our, our faith in Him, His righteousness being added to us, I'm glad that He takes care of that. When we put our faith in Christ, it's because we're in Him and He is in us. We have been sanctified positionally in Christ Jesus. And then there is progressive sanctification. And that's a responsibility of a believer that now that we're positioned in Christ, we have the righteousness of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. And we can take the Word of God and we can live by the Word of God and we can progress sanct- and, uh, and we can san- uh, sanctify ourselves by coming apart from this world and we can, we can grow in sanctification. And the Bible teaches progressive sanctification. And then there's perfect sanctification. First John chapter number 3 <clears throat> talks about that. Uh, that one day when Jesus comes in the rapture, uh, listen, man's body, soul, and spirit, and in the rapture, thank God, our flesh is going to be eradicated, and finally, we'll be perfect in His likeness. We'll be set apart throughout eternity uh, in His likeness, and we'll have, uh, thank God, a new body. And so, that is a truth, the truth of sanctification. That is something that we must hold on to. That is something that we cannot afford to give up. We must stand fast and hold to that tradition of salvation, that tradition and that truth of sanctification. And then, what about the truth and the tradition of soul winning? Paul mentions in verse number uh, 14, he says, Whereunto he called you by our gospel. You know, Paul was a soul winner. Paul preached the gospel. Paul was concerned about the souls of men and giving the gospel out. And you and I ought to carry that same truth, that same tradition on, giving out the gospel. It's been passed down to us, and we have a responsibility to pass it on to others. We're to pass it on to our family. We're to pass it on to our friends, our children. We're also to pass it on to our neighbors and those that uh, we live beside, those that we work around, uh, those that maybe you go to school with. We're to pass it on to those that we come in contact with. Maybe uh, we have one opportunity to pass it on, but we're to give the gospel to every individual. We're to preach the gospel to every individual. And that's a responsibility. Hold to that. Stand fast and stand firm on door knocking and visitation. Every church that's thriving and, and going forward is a church that's going out and sowing the seed of the gospel. God will never bless a church that will be stingy with the gospel, that will just come and worship and, in, and enjoy the Bible, but will not go out and share the Word of God. Now listen, that's a tradition. We, that's, that's Acts chapter number 2, friend. We're to go out and to preach the gospel and we're to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's a tradition, that's a truth that we need to hold on to. And then what about the truth or the tradition, should we say, of separation? You know, Paul is constantly dealing with the church. And Paul is indoctrinating. He's teaching the church. And and he's helping these believers in their times of of persecution and tribulation. He's encouraging them, don't quit. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't compromise. But carry on through the persecution. You know, we're living in a time when people, I'm talking about churches and preachers, they have forgotten the teaching of separation. But separation is important. Friend, if you're saved, it's God's will that you be saved. It's God's will that you be separated. And it's God's will that you be uh, spirit-filled. God wants to save you. He wants to set you apart. He wants to separate you from this world, sanctify you. 
He wants you to be different and He wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. Now, you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be saved and indwelled with the Holy Spirit, but you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't live a separated life. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 1 said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the Spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The Bible teaches in Psalms chapter number 1 and verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So that man in Psalms chapter 1 is separated from the world in verse number 1, and he's separated to the Word of God in verse number 2. We talk about social distancing today. And that man was social distancing. God believes in social distancing. He believes that we that are saved ought to distance ourselves socially from the things of this world and the people of this world. Now that's not isolation but it is separation. It's not where it's being a friend to the world but it's not being a friend with the world. It's not being like them. It's not running with them. And I'll tell you we're living in a time uh, when a lot of people uh, they want to come to church and they want to enjoy the goodness and glory of God but never pay the price. And friend if you're going to live for God you're going to have to pay the price. Amen? You can be saved but if you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to separate as we mentioned before. And that is a, that is a doctrine that, that we're not hearing preached a lot. I will say this about separation. One of the first doctrines ever taught in the Bible is the doctrine of separation. If you go back to the book of Genesis chapter number 1 the Bible said in the beginning uh, God created the heavens and the earth And you know one of the first things that God did when He created the heavens and the earth was God separated the light from the darkness. Ephesians chapter 5 says that we're children of light and that we're to walk in the light of the Word of God. We're not to walk in darkness. We're, we're to walk in God's light. And we have, thank God we have a Bible that will give us light. Thank God we can go to church and hear preaching that will shed light upon how we're supposed to live. And I'll tell you, the Word of God encourages that we're to hold that, that, that tradition. Uh, we've heard it in word. We've heard it through the preaching of the man of God. We've seen it written in the Bible, just as Paul mentions here. And you and I have an obligation to take that truth, that tradition, and hold on to it. I would encourage every parent to teach your children how to live a separated life from this world. Put some convictions, some Bible convictions in their life. There ought to be some convictions about the way we dress. Our dress ought to honor and please God. There ought to be some convictions and and some strong convictions about our dress and strong convictions about places we go and places we engage in. There's just some places that a Christian has no business being and things that a Christian has no business doing. And because that we're saved, it doesn't mean that, uh, that we're pharisaical. It doesn't mean that we think we're better than anybody else. But we ought to live a blameless life, a life above reproach. We cannot live sinless. But according to the Bible, if we'll be obedient to it, we can live blameless. We can live in a way that honors Him and pleases Him. And, uh, and th- that's a truth. That's a tradition uh, that, that we need to hold on to. Now, it's under attack today in our churches. And pastors, I know, have their hands full 
uh, trying to keep separation between the, 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 wor- the world and the church. And I would say to every member, support your pastor. Get behind your man of God. When he preaches on separation, don't you get quiet. You give him some amens. And if, if there's ever a time you say amen in church, you need to say amen when the preacher is dealing with separation. Don't, don't shout on salvation and then get quiet on separation. You get with your pastor and you stand behind him and, and you practice it. You don't just amen it, but you practice it. You practice it at church and you practice it at home. You practice it down at Walmart. You live your life in a way that people know you're a dedicated, separated, consecrated Christian. That's a truth. That's a tradition that we cannot afford to give up. Then what about that of service? Amen. Paul is constantly talking about service throughout the epistles. In verse number 17, he said, Comfort your hearts and establish you, notice this, in every good word and work. Amen. You know what Paul was? He was a worker. Paul believed in working. Paul believed in being faithful. Paul believed in serving the Lord. And I think to be a Christian, it ought to cost us something every day of our life. We ought to be busy. We ought to be serving. There's plenty to do. We don't have to have a title. don't have to have a trophy uh, to, to serve God. We ought to serve Him because we love Him. We don't have to have recognition. Just serve Him uh, because it's, it's right. When you serve God, you, everything we do, don't, we don't have to put on social media and let the world know that we're serving God. We just need to be faithful in that service. Just do that service because it's right. If nobody ever sees it but Him, He'll give the reward out to us on, on that day of judgment. I'm afraid for the things that we uh, give notoriety to and we let the world know, I think they'll go to ashes at the judgment seat of Christ because we got a reward down here rather than on the other side. And so that's a tradition. And listen, every child of God needs to be a servant. They need to be serving. There's a lot of opportunities in your local church to be serving God and to be busy. You ought to take those opportunities. There's no big jobs or little jobs, but we ought to be busy serving and giving God our absolute best. That's a a tradition that we need, a truth that we need to hold on to. Hold on to being a faithful servant. Are you active in your church? Do you serve faithfully? Do you work? Are you a lazy church member? Are you a church member that serves? Do you work? Are you a blessing, a, a benefit to your pastor? How much do you serve in your church? Could you do more than what you're doing right now? Well, these are some things to think about. I want to encourage you in closing of this message that you hold to those traditions. Don't let go of them. Don't you let some uh, liberal or some con- contemporary uh, movement or don't you let because you're, uh, some friend changes, don't you change because of them. You hold fast. You stand fast and you hold firm to the belief and the teaching that you have been taught and what the Word of God teaches. And if you'll do that, God will bless you. He'll be good to you for that, for being good to Him. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy Word. Thank you as it has went forth. I pray, God, that you'll help us to receive the Word that has been read. And may the Word of God minister to our hearts as we've heard it. I pray, God, that you will help us to hold to those traditions. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be fervent. I pray, God, that we would, uh, Lord, we would not compromise in these last days. I pray for preachers right now, God, that they would be faithful. I pray for church members, Lord, right now, that they would be faithful. Help us to stand fast and hold to those traditions. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.